Matt Stepp, it's been so long since we did one of these podcasts. I don't remember how to start it. Do you remember? There's a button you push? Step and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and joining us on this, the first episode of the shortest Texas high school football offseason ever. It's a double-edged sword, Tepper. It's 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 nice that football's not that far away, but uh, yeah, uh, it seems like the season just ended because it just did, and we're already getting ready to uh, start working on the magazine. So, uh, little double-edged yeah. sword there. Yeah, I was. I, I literally started working on a budget this weekend, and I was like, "Oh God!" Normally, I have more time than that. like normally in, I can in normal save circumstances. You, I can, I can save you a lot of time in the budget. Just, oh, give, just, just give Matt Step all them. Just make the check out to cash, Matt Step. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, God knows you'll be doing enough for this magazine. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, normally, I mean, in normal circumstances, uh, football season ends before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then realistically, like, real, like really and truly, yeah, maybe we come in and do a couple episodes of TFT, <laughs> uh, things like that. We'll post a couple things to the site. But, like, realistically, we can take four weeks off. Like, legit. January, January typically, uh, you know, really most years is a kind of a screw-around month. <laughs> we're, yeah. We'll pull the part, curtain back. We're not doing a ton in January. Yeah. I can get realignment years, maybe towards the end of the month we start doing some stuff. But, like, this year, a normal year, Dude. we wouldn't we wouldn't have done crap in January. Okay, can, can, uh, something I thought about the other day, and I promise we'll get into the normal nonsense here in a moment. But something I thought this about is the other day, nonsense, Tepper. This I guess that's what, a good point. Yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm so used to having like a structure to these podcasts. Yeah. Um, I'm I thought about this the other day, dude. I'm so glad that this is not a realignment year. Yes, I'm kind of glad because it would have made this off season even worse. It would have made can it you, super hectic. Can you imagine the avalanche? If, if we, if this would like, cause realignment would be happening like now. It would have, already, it would have happened a week ago. It's the, remember yeah, last, it year, last year it was the, it was crudo Monday. It was the, it was the Monday That's after right. the Super Bowl last year. So yeah, we would have already had realignment. Yeah. Yeah. It would have already happened. This would be our realignment special yeah. basically. Uh-huh. Um, so, okay. I'm, I, you know, you, you thank God for small blessings. That is a small blessing that, yes. uh, that, that the pandemic season was immediately followed a realignment because if it hadn't, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine just the headspace we would be occupying at this point. Um, so this is your off-season edition. Uh, we're going to try, we were talking before we start recording, we'll probably try to do this about once a month. Um, yeah, I think off-season. that you can expect a, 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 a podcast in the first week or two of the month in March, April, and May in June, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think you can expect um, that. Yeah, and and we've got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk coaching changes. We're going to talk a little bit of seven on seven. Um, we're going to talk a little bit, little bit, little bit of magazine stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, I think let's pull the uh, curtain back and kind of give people kind of an idea. I think the, the the loyal DCTF subscriber would like to kind of know our process on how we start to yeah. get. I, I think people would be interested in that. How we get get going. So we're we'll talk about the beginning of magazine season. I don't want to get too far into it because we got to have some stuff to talk about in other months, and then yeah. we're gonna wrap it all up. We'll talk. A, we'll have a little Canada talk. 
Yes, yeah. That's uh, a, I, I, I threw out the when, – when did I throw that? I think I threw it out during the state championships that this was my last off-season living in Texas full-time. And every, <laughs> and every I think I broke Twitter kind of. I don't want to give myself too much credit, but everybody was like freaking out. So we'll, we'll dig there into was, that. There was a bit. collective freak out. And it was like I read the tweet and I'm like, oh, I guess he told everybody. Like, I'm, yeah. guys, I'm, I'm, I'm Step's boss. I am not freaking out. Yes. <laughs> so, so you should not either yes and it, i think it it i think this will be nice to have a normal off-season tep and step because last year uh starting around march our off-season tep and steps were not normal so no. i mean tr- there's still a pandemic going on so mm-hmm. you know wear your mask if, you, if you're you know please get a vaccine all that good stuff oh, we're, we're doing better i mean I, I was looking at our numbers today we are we're doing a lot better let's keep that up because i I would love this football season was great, but I would love to have full stadiums again in the fall. I'm hoping oh, we can get even 75% would love it. So uh, let's keep doing good things. So yeah. we can have that. So I want that. I want that vaccine right now. If they, if, if you got any of that I'm vaccine up for it, yeah, I'm signed up for me it. Too. Hit me up. If you got, <laughs> if you got any of that vaccine, uh, holler at your boy. <laughs> Are you, I'm not sure a black market vaccine would be all that great, but hey, that's just, <laughs> look, me. I'm just saying that obviously, uh, the elderly and obviously people with pre-existing conditions, but then I would say beloved high school football analysts. Texas high, we're, we're te- I, we are technically Texas high. We're first responders. We're Texas high school no, football first what? responders. <laughs> That's, I mean, dude, now the long game of you starting that nickname like two months ago. You. It's it's you genius. Need to submit that as evidence. Yeah. So uh, we got a lot to get to. We will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week matt step uh this is a preview of a of a piece i'm going to write i believe either late this week or early next week i haven't decided yet but it's like matt step among uil 11 man teams who had the most improved offense as far as points per game from 2019 to 2020 who had the most improved offense it's a good question um, it's gonna be somebody who was really good this year and scored a lot of points. You know who I'm uh, gonna go with? I'm gonna go with a- New Braunfels Canyon because they were 0 and 10 in 2019 and were 11 and 2 this year. So I imagine in those 11 wins, they scored a lot more points than in those 10 losses they had last year. So believe it or not, let me make sure I didn't uh, get this right. Normally, I like to tell you that's a really good guess. It's a really good guess. Man, I gotta tell you, what it's not a great guess. Damn it! Uh, New Braunfels Canyon is 178th or 177th in improved offense. It's top they 10%. improved their top 10%. They did improve. They did improve their offense by uh, 8.1 points per game. Oh, a terrible guess. Um, 8.1, but they did score. The problem, if you go back, they scored. Um, they, they were they were a defensive team this year. You know what I mean? But they were significantly better. Yeah. Uh, I w- you are on the right track though. It is a okay. team that is good that was good this year, that was very bad the year before. Okay. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a top ten. Here you go. Here's your top ten. Your top ten. Number ten, El Paso Irvin. Now this that comes with a bit of a caveat. They only played five games, but they yeah. went from nineteen point six points per game to forty one. That's pretty, That's pretty good. good. Shout out Rockets. Uh, Number nine, uh, Fort Worth Brewer. Uh, They made the big leap. uh, 18.7 points to 40.3 points. I'm Uh, going to give you a little early tease next year. Keep an eye on Todd Peterman's ball club the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. They're going to be good. 
Number eight, Grosbeck. The Goats went from 12.9 points to 34.8 points. Jerry Bomar. Um, speaking of probably a guy we'll talk about here in more program we'll talk about in a moment. Number seven, Brock went from 30.9, which was already very good, to 54.4, and I believe the highest scoring offense in the state per game. Yeah, and they, um, that average got hurt. Just think about they were averaging, I think, close to 60 before the, they lost to Jim Ned, uh, mm-hmm. 19 to 16 in the yeah. third round. Yeah, they were mowing down people. Number yeah. six, the Lockney Longhorns from 13 to 37. Uh, number five, McCamey. Oh, badger, badger, uh, badger. Went from 23.2 to 47.3. Number four, Cushing, Bearcats, went from mm-hmm. 10.4 points. Uh, they tripled it up to 35.3 points. That's impressive. Number f- number three, Rock Springs, the Angoras. Ah, yes. Went from 10.3 points per game to 35 and a half. Number two, and now you're getting into the heavy hitters. Number two, the Timpson Bears. Oh, gosh, yep. Timpson scored 20.2 points per game last year, which was which was nice. It's a that's that's not terrible. You know what I mean? Well, 20 points a game. It's not good, but it's not terrible. Uh and then la- this year they scored as you may know, uh 50 points a game. <laughs> but the winner lapping the field with an improvement of 33.6 points per game. The Raiders of Leander Rouse. Ah, uh, yes. Last Josh year, squad, yeah. Last year, they scored 9.9 points per game. (laughs) And this year, they scored 43 and a half. (laughs) And I believe they were 1 and 9 in 2019 or 1 and 9. They were 1 and 9. Yeah, they improved to, I think they were 9 and 3. They they lost to Liberty Hill in a very competitive game uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, they scored a lot. They made Um, made a a big, big jump. And yes, they soft, did. They have a quarterback who's a sophomore, so he'll. Mm-hmm. They could be a high-scoring team for the next couple of years. So there you have it. There's your Texas high school football fun fact of the week: the Leander Rouse Raiders, the most improved offense in the state. I'll have a piece up on TexasFootball.com. Okay, so let's get to it. Is it is step bomb season? Uh, and if it wasn't oh step, dude, if it wasn't step bomb season, we're recording this Tuesday, February 9th at three forty-five p.m. It's cold. If, it's cold outside. If it, if it wasn't Step bomb season uh, at the beginning of the day Monday. Then by the end of the day Monday, it was decidedly step bomb season. Yeah, because it, it and and I guess we would need to go back and look at like I would I would love to like go and track like when when the big dates are. But I would bet the second I would bet crudo Monday. I bet crudo Monday is a big day historically. For coaching moves, lots of school board meetings uh, the first couple of Mondays of the month usually, and, mm-hmm. and I, I knew I, I put out a warning on Saturday. I was like, "Hey, everyone, uh, going to be a lot of coaching changes on Saturday," and uh, it was more than I anticipated with some jobs that opened up that I didn't know about. But yeah, I knew there were a lot of school board meetings uh, coming down the pike, and and a lot of there was a lot of movement yesterday. It was I think we had eight jobs that opened and eight jobs that were filled, and not all of them were concurrent with each other. So it was a it was a busy day, um, lots of movement and some, it's been a busy, it's been a, we're already over a hundred in UIL 11 man football. We're already over 100 coaching changes uh, and it's February 9th. So I, I think a, w- it's a combination of things. Uh, I think what we saw last year was a, the coaching carousel really, really stopped about April. And so a lot of jobs that I think that would have opened up last year, but didn't because of the pandemic and guys just kind of stay and put. Mm-hmm. Um, those jobs that would have opened last year are opening this year. 
on top of the jobs that the normal churn that we see uh, every year in the coaching ranks. So it's going to be a busy off season. I think I think we're going to be well over two hundred uh, by the time we get to June July. Do what was what was? Do you know what the number was last year? The final number off the top of your head? Uh, it was. It it's it slowed down significantly. I think we were around one seventy five, which is yeah. des- decidedly slow for a, a realignment year. Because typically in a realignment year, we're two twenty five plus, and then non realignment years were around two hundred. Uh, so I think what we'll see is this year will be an anomaly where we could see it push to you know well over two hundred into, into the two twenty five range. So there's a lot of jobs I want to ask you about. A lot of a lot of moves that I want to ask you about. I'm on TexasFootball.com. Of course, we've got our coaching changes page up there. Yes, sponsored by our friends at North Texas Honda Dealers. Yes, shout out to our friends at North it's Texas. Very Honda helpful Dealers. coaching change update. They're here helpful. to help. Yes. Um, Go buy a Honda. One of them. <laughs> buy, a, um, buy me a Honda. I'll take an Accord. Buy I think Accord. a Honda. Buy me an Accord. I'll um, take it. Bo, uh, Beaumont Westbrook. Um, yes. I think I think this one caught people by surprise. I know it, I know it kind of caught some of the people from uh, 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 some of the people in our in, on our staff by surprise. But Eric Peavy uh, leaves after four, uh, I would say, excellent seasons. between some all all seasons between excellent and solid. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this past year was a bit of a disappointment. But he's leaving to go take over Little Cypress Mauriceville. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's uh, I think there's people who want to say, why would he go from a 6A to a 4A? I think there's people who are saying, why would he leave a job like Beaumont Westbrook, which played for a title two years ago, to go to Little Cypress Mauriceville, which... Um, pretty I mean, mediocre program. I mean, it's yeah, a pretty, I was pretty say. average program in, in the Golden Triangle and uh, 4A Division One. I, I think there's a lot of reasons, and this is, this isn't, you know, he, Coach Peavy is not the first coach that's taking a larger job and going down to a smaller job. Um, I think the, the biggest reasons why why he's going to Little Cypress Mauriceville is he gets to be the athletic director number one in a one school ISD district, so he's he's getting a raise. But Beaumont ISD, let, let's just be frank, Beaumont ISD doesn't pay that great. Mm-hmm. Um, their facilities aren't that great. Um, their feeder system's not set up real well. And he goes to Little Cypress Mauriceville. Everything's vertically aligned. He gets a raise. He lives in Little Cypress Mauriceville ISD, so he gets to work in the same school district that his kids attend school at. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, from what I understand, coach Peavy, when, when he was approached by little Cypress Mauriceville about what it would take for them to, uh, for him to get the job, he basically had a list of uh, supposedly 25 Mm. things that he said, I need these, you know, these, these are the 25 things that I think you need to do in order for me to get this job, to make it successful. And, uh, from what I understand, they said yes to all 25 things. So it's like, you know, at that point, it's like, you got to take the job. So, um, you know, he, I think Coach PV had really nice things to say about Beaumont ISD when we talked to talk to him. Um, I think um, it's a situation where whoever replaces him, much like when he took over for Kevin Flanagan um, at Westbrook, whoever takes that job is going to be able to step right in at Westbrook and win games. Um, their freshman class that'll be sophomores next year, uh, well, from what I understand, is the the best group that he's had since they've come through there. So uh, the future's bright at Beaumont Westbrook. It's just a matter of I think. Um, a little bit better work set up for the things outside of football for coach Peavy. Yeah. I think that, I think Beaumont Westbrook is going to be a really, really good job for somebody. And, and, you know, um, now, you know, you and I've talked about this on this podcast, like you gotta, you know, you gotta, I think, I don't want to say you gotta be from Beaumont, but you gotta understand the gold triangle. I think to take that job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, I think there's, 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 that's, 
that's not a plug and play job. That's a no. that's a that's a culture fit job as well. You, you, know, you got to be. I think it would, it helps to eat, if you're not from there, you need to spend some time in the Golden Triangle in Beaumont ISD to know um, some of the challenges that 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 they do face because they face that Beaumont Beaumont's in a unique situation where I think they they have some inner city challenges, but they also have some more rural type challenges as well in Beaumont. It's kind of a cross section of the two. Um, so you got to navigate those waters um, just a little bit. But I think whoever gets it can take that job and, and go win some football games. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think, you know, kind of in that same vein, and this is probably the, uh, you know, I, I think there are some people who who may look at this the, uh, a similar way. Um, uh, but uh, Arlington Bowie is open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Diarman, another very successful coach. Uh, leaving a 6A program to go to a 4A program. This one to Joshua. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another. I mean, look, Joshua. You can't say Joshua bad, doesn't. Joshua's doesn't a bad hire, program. But you can't say that Joshua doesn't hire big. I mean, they hired uh, Gary Robinson before mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, who who had a, a track record of success, and now he's hi- now they're hiring uh, Danny Diarman uh, to take over there. Um, again, I think, uh, so, I think there were some people being like, well, why do you do that? And, and I would, my initial guess, and I have not talked to coach Diarman. Uh, I know you have talked to folks at least around coach Diarman. I would imagine being an AD helps. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't even the campus coordinator at Bowie. You know, he was just, oh, the head I didn't even realize coach. that he wasn't the, the basketball coach is the campus coordinator at Bowie. So, uh, he's getting a significant raise. Coach Diarman is from Alvarado, which is nearby and jo- nearby to Joshua. He lives in Burleson, which is right next to Joshua. Coach DeArmond told me his commute is going from 45 minutes to seven minutes. Um, so that's that's a plus. He uh, is getting a nice raise as well because he's now the district athletic director. And, you know, he, he was, you know, I'll say it now, you know, Coach DeArmond was a finalist for the Bertelson job last year. You know, him and mm-hmm. John Kitten were the final two uh, for that job. So so Coach DeArmond, I think, is, was looking to get closer to home. He owns a home in Burleson. He, his family is from Alvarado. Lots of ties to the area. Um, Joshua's got great facilities that, you know, the, the, the problem is Joshua is a program that, that, I mean, I'm from Everman and we've played Joshua ever since I've been around. Joshua hasn't, I mean, I think in the last 40 years, they've had one or two winning seasons. I mean, I can they, check just, they just struggled. I mean, it's a program that has not won in football in, in, in historically in their, in, since they've been around. So they um, have not had a, winning, a... Ni- 1996 probably is their last winning season. Yep. They went which, seven and five in 1996 mm-hmm. and they had one. They had another one in 1985. They had another one in 1981. Uh, so you're talking about three, um, three winning seasons in 30 years. Yeah, 40. They years. have won. They haven't won. Yeah, 40. Oh my god, it's old. Um, yeah. They have not won a district championship since 1970. Yeah, an outright it, district championship. It's so it's yeah. A, it's, it's a tough, tough job. Tough sledding um, out there. So, but I, so I think you know he, he'll. Um, he's obviously his son is coming with him. Um, who's a really good player. Um, in um. Oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, I think it's Ty DeArmond. Really good linebacker for mm-hmm. Bowie. Um, he'll help Joshua, but that's still tough. Tough sledding when yep. you're talking about being in a district of the Lido and Mansfield Timberview. Uh, we do not have to dwell on this particularly long, uh, but uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention that Edinburgh is open. Uh, JJ Lasia is is out, uh, reassigned after five seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is fair to assume this has at least something to do with the incident that happened uh, down there that went relatively viral. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would bet that there were some discussions and they said, it's probably best if we move on. So we don't yeah. have to, we don't have to dwell on that. Um, it, was, it was expected, put it that way. Yeah. 
I think so. Uh, here's one that was not expected, at least from my perspective, kind of sticking in the DFW Metroplex to go along with Arlington, um, Arlington uh, Bowie. Uh, Lakeview Centennial's open. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendall Miller, uh, who I think I, uh, Kendall Miller is going to go take over at the new Frisco Emerson High School, which is number 12. Yeah, number 12 opens up in the fall. They'll play varsity. They'll be in a UIL district in 2022. So Kendall Miller is moving from Lakeview Centennial to um, uh, the Frisco Emerson. Let me just say this. He went 44 and 43 at Lakeview Centennial. And if you know anything about the history at Lakeview Centennial, he they need to build a statue to that man. Did a I really, mean, he did a great job there. Was there for a long time and really mm-hmm. navigated through that program uh, very well. And d- did some, did some good things. He's a well respected coach. He's on the THSCA board of directors. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know he he had, like I said he had been at Lakeview for about for nine years, and this opportunity in Frisco, I think number one presents him with um, a b- better income. He's going to get a raise. I mean, you know these these guys just like in any profession, you know if someone offers you a raise, you're going to strongly consider it. Um, he gets to build his own program from scratch. And I think he felt like that was a challenge that, that, that intrigued him being able to hire, um, all of his own coaches from scratch, kind of a clean slate type thing. And then he's taking Emerson with the zones that they're going to get, you know, if you think about Frisco and a lot of the new schools that have opened up, a lot of them have gotten good very quickly. And Emerson's pulling uh, heavily from Frisco independence. That's hmm. typically they, they've been very good the past few years, so I think he feels like that'll be a good um, jumping off point for for that program. And like I said, the the, the chance to get to hire his his entire coaching staff, boys coaches and girls coaches, he, he gets to be involved in the hiring of all of that. Um, I think intrigued him. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I think um, I think David Cantu moving from Brownsville Vets over to Los Fresnos is very interesting. I'm good, very good interested. Yeah, yeah Co- I thought Co- I thought that was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought that, I thought that was a really, really sm- uh, savvy hire there from Los Fresnos. Uh, uh, to, to, to bring in Kitchen. Uh, yeah. th- that's uh, that 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 helps, and and bringing yes. him in, I thought was great. Um, uh, speaking of the valley, um, uh, you know, I think it because of everything that's gone on, I think people may have forgotten what happened at Somerset in in September. Um, if for those who, if you may have forgotten, uh, Coach Sonny Detmer. Uh, of course, himself, uh, a, a name you should know, and and one of the real innovators in Texas high school football and in football uh, writ large. He passed away in September. Uh, uh, it is, I, I think it's very cool that his son, Coy, is going to take over. Um, uh, he He's moving over. Of course, Coy played in the NFL. Uh, he is leaving his alma mater mission to go to Somerset. Um, mission has uh, promoted from within. I, I understand. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They, they promoted from within. And mission, you know, Coach Detmer did a great job at Mission, yeah. really getting that program um, back uh, amongst the better programs in six A in the Rio Grande Valley. So left that thing better than he found it. Um, I think I, I think it's a really cool kind of synergy there going back going back to Somerset for him. Um, I believe uh, Coach Detmer has a son still in the program, so he'll get to coach his son as well. So, um, and he was, a, he was at Somerset as an assistant before he went down to mission. So he's very familiar with the program and I lay of the land and, uh, I think he'll do a great job. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, uh the little Southwest conference. Cause there's been some movement, lots of movement, <laughs> uh, Midland, Odessa and San Angelo central, uh, have all changed coaches. Um, uh, uh, Midland, uh, has uh, reassigned, uh, Tim Aniskevich. He is out after four seasons. They have, uh, named, oh, they've gone, uh, gone plucking in within the, uh, the little Southwest conference mm-hmm. to go get Thad Fortune. 
the offensive coordinator from Permian to go take over Midland. Uh, I'm sure that will never get brought up in group texts ever. Um, There's a connection there because the Midland ISD AD is Blake Felt, who used to be the head coach at Permian. So there's always a tie there. Um, Odessa is looking for a coach. Danny Servants is out after five seasons there. Um, Just struggled there with Odessa. Tough job. Uh, and And then there's Central. There's San Angelo Central. Um, and I guess we can, this is, this, this is what I love. This is the time when it's fun to unpack the, the, the tangled web we weave. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to, uh, Gregory Portland, uh, and at Gregory Portland, uh, they had been coached by Rick Rhodes the past couple of the past five seasons. Uh, Rick Rhodes decides to uh, retire. Is what he, says. He, he, he wants to retire. Yeah. Okay. So Gregory Portland comes over Gregory Portland. Um, if you're new to Texas high school football, that is a well thought of program. That is a program with pedigree and tradition and history. And, and, and from what I understand resources, that's fair uh, yeah. to say big pocketbook. Yeah. Big, yes. big, big pocket, big bucks. Yeah. So, uh, they had, and, and, uh, I'm not going to ask you to, to at, tell me who applied for the job, but it's fair to say that it was a star-studded group of applicants for Gregory Portland. Several uh, high-profile head coaches who've won a lot of football games threw their names in the hat for this job. Well, the man who got it is Brent Davis. Brent Davis, of course, the coach at San Angelo Central. So he is moving uh, across the state uh, to go from San Angelo to uh, G-Port. Mm-hmm. Um, Central has – has um, uh, and, and by the way, Coach Davis – I think it's like we think of San Angelo Central as like perennial contender in the in the little Southwest Conference every year. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's worth remembering he took over a program that was, I don't want to say shambles, but it wasn't what it is right now. That's for darn sure. Yeah, when he got there, they had they, the previous season they went zero and ten, and they lost their first eight games that Davis was there. They went zero and eight, and then they won their last two games of his first season, and then the next year. They kind of propelled that into a playoff appearance and and, and kind of got rolling from there. But but yeah, it was not in good shape when he got there. So San Angelo to close the loop on San Angelo Central, they've promoted their offensive coordinator Kevin Crane to take over as head coach of the, of the Angry Orange. Much but you'll, you'll you'll remember that all this t- all this started with a man's retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, all this happened with a man's retirement. Rick Rhodes decided to retire, and of course he had a long his long career. Good for him. Uh, so you'll have to imagine my surprise whenever <laughs> last night uh, Cameron Yo has hired Rick Rhodes again to be the head coach of the Yeoman. <laughs> he shows up at the board meeting. He's like, "Hey guys, I'm back," you know. And so it's like, you know, it's it's always funny, you know. And and the web is well woven even more because Brent Davis has a lot of ties to the Coastal Bend. You know, people are like, "Oh, that's such a move going from San Angelo to Gregory Portland." Well, Coach Davis coached at Banketti. That's Corbett Smith's alma mater, by the way. Um, and he coached at Senton. He actually, Senton is where he had the most success. He took Senton to a state championship game in uh, 2001 as the head coach at Senton. And, uh, but they lost, they lost to a, a, some team that ever been in the state championship game. We won't go into that too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's had a lot of success there. And uh, you know, his wife is from uh, that area. I, I can't remember what town she's from, but, but Coach Davis's lovely wife is from the Coastal Bend as well. So he, he likes that area. And uh, he coached at Alice as well. He had a little bit of a run at Alice. And and when Senton opened up last year, Senton made a really strong run at Coach Davis last year. So there, you know, there's some ties for Coach Davis to the Coastal Bend. Um, the next up on my list to talk about 
is let's just let us just talk about uh, the Waxahachie job because sure. you had kind of flagged me on this um, back when it came open, and you told me you were saying watch the applicant list for this mm-hmm. because there's going to be a big group of guys who are interested in this. Um, they end up getting Shane Tolleson, defense coordinator at Denton Ryan. I don't know if you guys saw Denton Ryan's defense the past couple of years. They were okay. Um, they were okay. Yeah. Uh, seems pretty good. Uh, it, uh, I, there is some, I will just say this and there, there's stuff we can say and stuff we can't just for, for privacy's sake. Um, the, <laughs> there were some even bigger names on this list that were at mm-hmm. least being bandied about. Oh yeah, uh, big in connection with them. Head coaches with lots of wins, uh, for sure. So uh, yeah, it, it, it was a uh, you know c- credit to Coach Tolleson. You know he's got ties to the area. Coach Tolleson's from Corsicana, so he obviously mm-hmm. knows the lay of the land uh, and Waxahachie. It's not the same Waxahachie when you know it's it's a lot bigger town. Uh, because growth from Dallas has come to Waxahachie, and it's a lot bigger town than it was when Coach Tolleson was there. Uh, but he knows the lay of the land, and he'll he'll do an excellent job there. But that was a job. The, the heavy hitters came out for the Waxahachie job, absolutely. Um, I do want to um, let's let's take a moment to talk a little bit about Waco ISD. Sure. Um, and I know that these are programs that don't that haven't won a lot. In fact, the two programs we're going to talk about, uh, I believe, went uh, won a combined three games last year. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, there's some movement there. One of them, I I don't necessarily understand. And I know it's, it's Kwame uh, Cavill leaving. Uh, he, he, he was kind of, he's resigning after, um, a few years, three seasons with the lions. They're bringing in defensive coordinator, Lyndon Helt to take over from South Grand Prairie to take over at Waco. I, I know that it's a, it's a, it's a real struggle at Waco high. Real tough, struggle right now. Tough job, yeah, it's tough. Um, um, and you know, Coach Helt's a well thought of defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad hire. I just felt like Coach Cavill kind of got a raw deal there because I mean, what do they expect in yeah. being the smallest six A school in Texas, and then they get put, they just get a terrible draw on realignment with Desoto, Duncanville, and Cedar Hill, Waxahachie, and Mansfield. I mean, that's a that's a in Midway. It's a brutal yeah. district. I mean, what what did, I don't really know what they expected from a results standpoint these these next two years. Yeah, I I was on um I was on a radio interview and they asked me about both those jobs and and I had to hold back from from saying because it's not premium podcast but like. I don't know. I think I think he about got a bit of a raw deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I was I like Coach Cavill. I'm sure Coach Helt's going to do a great job there. But there's a and there's Waco U. Mm-hmm. Waco U. Um, again, build a build a statue for uh, Rodney Smith. He helps them. He helps the Trojans snap their 47 game losing streak. Yeah. Um, and they, but he he doesn't he doesn't he goes out on his own terms. He gets to go become uh, the assistant AD for Waco mm-hmm. SD. Good for him. Waco U has hired. Uh, a, a name, a name from uh, a, a bit in the ether, uh, Kent Laster. Mm-hmm. Kent Laster is a guy who has Texas ties. He was uh, an assistant at one of the Frisco schools, right? Frisco Heritage. Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator, head track coach at Frisco Heritage. Um, he's, I think he's a Texas State alum. He, he played. I think ah. he played at Texas State. So shout out so, Ishmael Johnson. But he left Texas to go become head coach at Little Rock Central. That's mm-hmm. there's not a Little Rock Central in Texas. I'll tell you that no. it's in Arkansas. Um, and now he comes over to take over Waco U. Um, I o- okie dokie. Uh, welcome back, Coach. Yeah, good to have uh, you. Uh, 
Coach Laster. I actually went to school with Coach Laster's wife. His wife is an Everman grad. So oh, there you I, go. I know his lovely, his better half, his lovely wife. So yeah, that's a there's a there's a Matt Steph Everman tie there. Coach Laster's a good coach. He did a great job. He was at Frisco Heritage. Got got his feet wet uh, being a head coach in Arkansas. But I know he really wanted to get back to Texas and uh, and do some good things. So I'm I, I'm excited for him. Wake University is a program that, that's in good shape, and I think uh, could potentially with the right mix compete for a playoff spot. Okay. Um, but the best hire of the year goes to Amarillo Paladero. I know I tweeted about this, but, um, so Chris Fisher resigned after five years at Paladero. Uh, Paladero has hired Duncanville offensive coordinator, Eric Mims. Um, th- I think this is so cool. Like he is, he is like to say that Eric Mims is an alum is <laughs> it's an understatement. Is, the understatement of the century. This is a guy who went to like the elementary school theater. Like he, he is, is. Yeah. He's North Amarillo through and through. His, oh yeah. His mother was the, was the track coach there. His wife was the prom queen at Paladuro. I mean, it, it, everything, <laughs> every, he, he is Amarillo Paladuro through and through. We think of coach Mims because he's been in the Metroplex for so long with Reggie samples as a mm-hmm. Metroplex guy. No, he is an Amarillo guy. And you could tell just looking at his tweets, um, and some of the things, the history that he's showing of Amarillo Paladuro, um, it was a home run hire, and it was a hire that I think you know should have been made. And anyone who from Amarillo who I talked to asked me who I thought Paladuro should go after, and the first name that popped up was Eric Mims. He, yeah. he is the right hire because Paladuro um, at one point was the program of record in Amarillo, and they they've fallen on a hard times. But if there's anyone that can bring it back, uh, it's Coach Mims. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about uh, passion there. He's gonna he's gonna give everything you got for the dawn. So I'm excited uh, about that. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about Lancaster, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big <laughs> that's, opening. That's one of the big ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Lancaster's open. If you didn't hear, uh, Coach Chris Gilbert is leaving after ten years. Ten years, man, uh, a decade at Lancaster. Uh, and, and you're wondering, well, what, what's, what's a bigger high school football job than Lancaster? Uh, well, uh, working for the university of Texas, uh, and, and joining Steve Sarkeesian's staff, mm-hmm. uh, called, and I made the comparison to Joey McGuire. Um, I wonder if the better comparison is David Wetzel. Uh, when Baylor hired David Wetzel, who was, mm-hmm. uh, then San Antonio Reagan. Yes. Yeah. Reagan. Yep. But uh, but uh, but he became director of high school relations, and he was so tied up. If you remember, at that point, I believe Coach Wetzel was the president of the THSCA, or at least the former president. Yes. Uh, I mean, you will you will have a hard time finding somebody in Texas high school football circles who garners the same respect that Chris Gilbert does, which I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian knew. Yeah, I mean, you know, because when, when Joey McGuire got hired at Baylor, he was hired for more of an on-field role. This is an off-field role, high school relations. So this is right up Chris Gilbert's alley. He'll be able to, because of his connections being in THSA board of directors, connect uh, with the high school coaches and open up those recruiting inroads, especially on the I-20 corridor where Texas has kind of been shut out of recently. So great hire for Coach Sarkeesian and the University of Texas. And, and you know, the Lancaster job, it's interesting because it's head football coach only. And, you know, Chris Gilbert, you know, when he got to Lancaster, you know, Lancaster was not a football school. All the mm-hmm. talent that's come through there, they'd only been past the second round of the playoffs once in school history. Um, that was a basketball and track school. And Chris Gilbert fought a lot of battles um, to get things done from a football perspective. And it, it, it paid dividends right away because in, in his second year, 
Lancaster played for a state championship, and they've been mm-hmm. to the regional finals three other times. So um, the next head coach is not going to have to fight those battles, and I, and I think he's left that program in really good shape. The problem is in Lancaster that if they don't make a quick hire – the 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 dynamics along I twenty. If there's no leader in place at Lancaster, those kids are going to end up at other schools because yeah. it is so because because of the open enrollment in those ISDs and around there, um, and the the prevalence of private schools in that part of the part of the metroplex, those kids will end up at other schools if there's not a, a coach hired quickly. So Lancaster ISD, in my opinion, it's pertinent they move forward quickly uh, with the hire. Um, going into the playoffs, we talked whenever we were preview Lubbock Coronado games, we talked about how this was the year, like this was the year it had to be the year for Lubbock Coronado. Like mm-hmm. it was all building to this year. Um, they have a great year. They go 12 and one, um, go to the regional semifinals, uh, end up bowing out. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, is, is it fair to say Seth Parr maybe saw the writing on the wall, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and duct <laughs> cause he's yeah. heading to Anna. Yeah, it was one of those deals where uh, you know, Parr had always been intrigued by a couple of Metroplex jobs. And I remember uh, last couple of years talking to him, and he would ask about certain jobs. And you know, I don't, I don't know if he ever actually applied for them, but I think the thought of coaching in the Metroplex definitely intrigued him. And I think this was kind of the year he felt like that. I think the, you know he felt like they had a chance to win the region and maybe get to the state mm-hmm. semifinals this year. And so I know that the loss to Red Oak, they had a big lead. It was really crushing. So um, it was pretty quick that he he took the Anna job and, 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 and moved on. So uh, you know, it, it's a great hire for Anna, a home run hire for them. Um, I think Lubbock Coronado is an excellent job um, that's opening, that's opened up and they should be uh, ramping up their interview process next week. And I know they've got, um, you know, a couple of DFW coordinators on their interview list, a couple of guys, a couple of head coaches in that part of the state, the South Plains panhandle area that are interested in that job. So um, it's attracted a lot of interest. And I think Lubbock ISD will be able to get a good hire in at Coronado. They may be, may be a little bit down next year, but there's, you know, talking to the assistant AD, James Garfield, and the AD, uh, Mike Meeks there at Lubbock ISD, I think they feel pretty confident of the talent that's in that pipeline. And Coronado should be a, could remain a contender. Uh, the 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 most recent breaking news, even before right before we came on the air um, um, to record this, was what's happening at Magnolia West. Magnolia West came open um, when uh, Blake Joseph left to become the quarterbacks coach at North Texas. So mm-hmm. he's also jumping to a, uh, a college staff. Uh, they have made their hire, uh, and it is uh, another another uh, you know another uh, traveling across the state. As Ben McGeehy is mm-hmm. going to leave Sweetwater to take over Magnolia West. Well, you got to remember that the Magnolia ISD that when 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 they hired Mike Spradlin from Temple to be the athletic director at there at mm-hmm. Magnolia ISD, Coach Spradlin immediately has put put his Temple guys in place at, at Magnolia and Magnolia West because they had Craig Martin and J, uh, J D Berna there at Magnolia West, both who were assistants under Spradlin. Well, when Spradlin left to become the uh, the head coach at Rockwall Heath, J.D. Berna moves into the athletic director role. Craig Martin is still at Magnolia High, but J.D. Berna promotes former Temple assistant Blake Joseph to the head coaching job at Magnolia West. Well, when Coach Joseph leaves to go to North Texas, he goes and hires another former Temple assistant in Ben McGee. Because remember, Ben McGee was the offensive coordinator for Temple in 2014 and 2016 when they went to the state championship game. 
and then McGee went to uh, Sweetwater after that. So there's a lot of Temple ties there in, in Magnolia. And uh, Coach McGee, I think, did a great job at Sweetwater uh, rebuilding that program after uh, you know they had such great years under Shane Mobley and, and McGee's first year at Sweetwater. They were really good. And they had a couple of down years. Um, Sweetwater's a really intriguing opening there in the big country because the next couple of years, they're really loaded for Baird, have, have a good shot to make some mm-hmm. points. They're really good. Yeah, they've, they've got an opportunity there. Um, we will be remiss if we did not uh, uh, doff our cap to another opening. Uh, it's probably not as high profile as otherwise, but down in San Antonio at Brackenridge um, as uh, Coach Willie Hall uh, has retired. He was at Brackenridge for 37 years. He was the head Incredible. coach for 26. Um, San Antonio ISD's all-time winningest head coach. Um, not a whole lot to say about Brack, uh, it's, uh, but but uh, a, a doll for the cap to Coach Hall, who did such a tremendous job for for a quarter century mm-hmm. there. And, uh, and impacted so many young people in that community, mm-hmm. too, as well. He, he's, he's well thought of and as a father figure for a lot of people in that part of town in San Antonio and really did a great job there. Yeah, he's 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 a guy who's who certainly earned his retirement. That is for sure. Um, I, 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 just a couple more I want to uh, hit on. Um, Denison is open. Uh, mm-hmm. Another. This was probably the OG like step bomb early in the year. Yeah, uh, right, uh, like, what with, Tioga? Chad like, Rogers no. leaving Denison to go to Tioga. I I'll be uh, so the, the, we're on the premium podcast. I don't mind blowing up her spot, but Jessica Mori texted me that night. She's like, "What in the hell?" Uh, <laughs> because she used to work in the that Texoma area. Yeah. Uh, but Tioga uh, didn't have football for a while. People, there are a lot of people who didn't even know not know Tioga had a football yeah. team. Didn't know where the town was located or anything. Yeah, uh, but but I think people probably a little bit shocked uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that that Chad Rogers is leaving Denison to go to Tioga, uh, but uh, but hey, listen, an opportunity to really build, to, especially to to really build something from the ground up. Yeah, I think it's one of those deals where you know Chad had been at Denison for a while, and I, I think that he felt like things had gotten a little bit stale there. That that the message that he had wasn't wasn't getting across quite as well. And so I think he felt like it was time for a change. It, might, it may have been one of those deals where, you know, there's an old saying, you know, among coaches, it's better to leave a job a year early than a year too late. Mm-hmm. Might've been one of those deals where he just felt like it was time to get out now before maybe they tried to force him out if things didn't go well the next year. Um, I think he felt like it was a better situation for free. I, th- I think his wife gets a raise going to Tioga. Um, she works in the school district, so it works out better for them. Uh, he gets a chance to hire his son. Who is um, his first? He was a first-year coach down at Snook, so I imagine he'll be joining his joining his father on staff there at Tioga. He doesn't have to move. Tioga is only about twenty-five minutes there from Denison, um, and I, I think he may be able to hire his daughter on staff as the athletic trainer as well there at Tioga. So he'll be able to have his whole family with him. Works out nicely. Uh, clean slate at Tioga. He gets to build the program. And this is this will be their fourth year of UIL football. They're, it's growing incredibly fast. Um, Tioga's there, they're north of Pilot Point. They're right on the right on the lake, um, so it's a nice town. It's growing incredibly fast. They'll be three A probably here in next realignment. I mean, they've they they went they were playing Tioga was playing six man football in twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. and they're already two A Division one. <laughs> so wow. they're and they'll probably be three A in twenty twenty two. So this is a fast growing area. So uh, I think it, it work, It's a good move, and I think it's a, a, a move to, for Coach Rogers to kind of have some stability. Um, and have his family around him. Uh, friend of the podcast, Jeff Fleener has a new job. Um, he is he is leaving uh, he's leaving Mesquite to go take over at Forney, and I'm very happy for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Most most importantly, he did not get me a shirt before he left with the old school Skeeter on it. Oh, 
what a mistake. He he did so, tell me he was going to have a cool Jackrabbits logo though. So be like, he better because cool right now, here. not happy with you, Fleen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Fleener has got a new job at at Forney, um, so Mesquite is open. Uh, okay, uh, a, a moment on Liberty Hill. Uh, for if, if, for those who, as a refresher, of course, Jeff Walker sadly passed away uh, right before the start of the playoffs after battling uh, kidney cancer. Um, he passed away. His brother, Kent Walker, uh, was on the staff. He took over, guided them to the state semifinals in their first year as a 5A school. Um, just a remarkable story there for, uh, for Jeff Walker and company. Uh, very nearly made it to a state championship game. Um, Jeff, for the whole Walker family. Um that job is still open. Um, not a it fan seems, of this. Not it a fan. seems to me obvious to just take the interim tag off of Kent Walker. Mm-hmm. Am I missing something? Nope. I think that's what they should do. But it sounds, from my understanding, the superintendent um, really wants to open this job up, and and there is not Ooh. a better, not, there's not a faster way to get yourself run out of a, run out of town on a rail. Uh, by doing that because the community wants Kent Walker to have this job. And, and so I think it's a real, you know, hopefully you know, I, I think Kent Walker deserves the job. I'm just going to, you know, no offense yeah. if they do hire from the outside. I'm sure if they do hire outside, they're going to hire a qualified coach. But in this situation, I think Kent Walker deserves that job. And I'll be, I'll be very disappointed if he does not get it. And, and I'll be, I'll be honest. There's also part of me that let's say that, you know, Johnny Schmohawk comes in and takes over at Liberty Hill. Um, I'm sure Johnny Schmohawk's a fine coach. Aren't you setting him up for failure? Absolutely, like, because he's probably not going to run the slot T, and so now you're going to change the complete identity of the program and the offense, and really I think that's that's a place where the slot T could work at the larger school level because they've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, yeah. I absolutely think you're, and you're, set, you're sending a guy into a community that probably really doesn't want him. Yeah, that's exactly so, it. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, cheeseburger. Yeah, Coach Chandler headed. Uh, <laughs> Cheeseburger's got a new job. Yeah, he was uh, he was an assistant at Princeton before he took the Blooming Grove job. So he kind of <laughs> kind of went back to his, his stomping grounds there. Cheeseburger. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned uh, the Brock to El Campo. Uh, though I was getting there. Okay, I'm getting okay, there. Okay. All right, all right. That's next. Okay. Hey, hey, Steph, let's talk about El Campo. Yeah. Um, uh, Coach Wayne Condra retired after, at El Campo, and. I, uh, this is this is another example of a job that I think from the outside people look at El Campo and they're like, I mean, it's fine. Like, it seems like an OK job. Um, it strikes me that it is a job that coaches probably hold in much higher esteem than maybe like the general public does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they had I know for a fact they had a really really good list of applicants for this job they Six end up grabbing a head coaches applied for it yeah, yeah. Uh, they end up getting probably the best 3A coach at least one of the best 3A coaches in the state in Chad Worrell uh, from from Brock um, and yeah this is a guy who you know he's, he's a winner he's a state champion El Campo's hiring a state champion head coach what uh, was and, his record and, and, at Brock it was something ridiculous like 91 and 12 or something yeah 91 and 12 <laughs> well they're gonna win and, and, yeah. and that's a team that's ready to win right now too 
Yeah, you know, the, the thing people are like, why would you leave Brock? You know, well, number one, he gets to be the athletic director in El Campo. He's not the athletic director at Brock. Brock um, has a separate athletic director. Um, so he's, guess what? He's getting a raise, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to go to El Campo. And I think Coach Worrell really felt, you know, I think he really felt like um, the challenge, you know, he I think he was aching for a new challenge and kind of looking for that next next thing because Brock, that that machine had just been going, going and going. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I think expectations and Brock, I mean, it's really it's tough. I mean, there there was people grumbling about Brock losing in the third round of the playoffs last year, and I'm like, mm. you know, how could you like, you can't maintain that level? You know, there's there's you know, I, I know because they have Alito right next door, basically that 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 they, that that's kind of the model. Alito is such an exception, not the rule. Um, so yeah, I think I think the, the challenge of 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 taking a, a larger program and seeing if you can get it done there um, in, in, intrigued and ex, and excited him. So I, I think he's going to do a great job at El Campo. He's got a lot of raw material to work with, and I think the Rice Birds are going to be um, a force to be reckoned with next year. Um. All right. Are there any other jobs you want to talk about? I think we've 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 hit up the the bigger ones. I mean, there'll be more plenty more opening. Trust yes. me, there'll be plenty more coming around. We absolutely will. So there you have it. There's a look at the Texas high school ball coaching landscape. Just a brief 45 minutes on it. Um, okay. Uh, we had some annou- We had an announcement on Texas football today the other day uh, about seven on seven. Of course, state seven on seven was canceled last year because of gestures broadly. Um, <laughs> it is now. Uh, but the uh, the news is that it is happening this year. Um, yes. Seven on se- seven on seven is back. College yep. Station, June twenty fourth through the twenty sixth, and um, now, now I know you're really you're really in in, in uh, tight with the the boys who run seven on seven. Um, are we? It seems like we're probably getting closer to a decision as far as what SQTs are going to look like. Yeah, I, I imagine we'll probably uh, have that announcement if not this week, uh, early next week. But you know, mid February is what we were told. So um, I think as far as the protocols of the SQTs, I think it's going to vary um, by lo- by locale. There may be some SQTs that allow fans, others that don't. Um, so I think, I think that'll vary. But I think we'll definitely have SQTs. Um, probably starting as early as uh, in, in May um, would be my guess. There may be a few in May, but the bulk, the majority of them will be in June. And I think the hope is, is by, by that time, uh, the, the virus is circulating even less and less than it is now. Mm-hmm. More people have the vaccine. Everybody, you know, feels a little more comfortable being outside, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I'm excited for it. We didn't. It's going to be big this year because of, of not having spring ball, not having seven on seven last year. There's going to be, uh, I think, a renewed importance in playing seven on seven this year and just getting out there and getting reps and getting work in. So, uh, it will be excited. We got a lot of big plans for uh, the state seven on seven tournament this year that we'll share um, later on down the road. Do you uh, are you of the belief? So, hmm, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so, how many? How many is it? Thirty-two teams make it in 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 each division. Is that right? Division three in division two has thirty-two teams. So that's your uh, division three is like your three uh, A division two and smaller. Division two is four uh, A, three A division one, and small private schools. And then division one, which has sixty-four teams, is okay. everybody five A, six A, and the large private schools. Do you think they will look into uh, a smaller field? Uh, for for this, or do you think that they are 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 the tea leaves that you're reading, uh, saying that they are going to proceed with the as the normal? I guess that'd be 128 total teams, uh, going. 
to if state I had to guess right say. now, I would say the the, the plan is to uh, ho- ho- get 128 if they can. But I think there's flexi- there's they're going to build in flexibility where if things change, they may not be able to have that. But I think as of now, the plan, for what I understand, is a normal 128 team state tournament. So there you go. Um, it, it, it's fun. We've got some big plans uh, for for Texas football for uh, for what that's going to look like. We're we're excited. But seven on seven will happen. Uh, we'll probably do a big dumb tap and step preview edition of the state tournament. You might get two two tap and steps in June. Uh, yeah, and I get and and because of the pandemic, I don't have anything planned that week. Yes, you get to actually stay for the whole weekend because Tepper, stay for the, the Tepper for those of you who don't know, has bailed on us the last couple of years and after one day. So we, we've we've there's been no no shortage of hell given to Tepper in our Slack chat about yeah. it. So, so I'm going to celebrate my birthday in College Station. So um, yes. with you with you you dopes. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. Um, we can we'll table. We're already 52 minutes in. We'll, we'll table um, magazine stuff. Okay. Uh, let's give the people what they want. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the Great White North, um, because Matt Step, you you shook the Texas high school football world uh, universe with mm-hmm. a tweet. Let me see. If, hold on, I'm gonna see if I can find it real quick. Uh, while, you, while we vamp, we'll just uh, yeah. push it out. Uh, um, let's see. I tweet let's, a lot. If if you didn't, know you Tanner. do. My God, there's a lot of them. <laughs> so. Oh my God! Step. Um, I know it's too much. Too many steps. There's so much. Um, like Twitter. All right. Oh, here we go. Here's a tweet. The tweet is uh, January sixteenth, twenty twenty one, ten oh six p.m. During the state championships. During the the state championships. Now it's during the last game, and and so ten oh six. That's the second half of Carroll and Westlake. And it was a blowout. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it had, it had Westlake had pulled away and it was yeah. it was a fait accompli what was happening. Quote This is probably my last Texas high school football season living in Texas full time, but I'll still be around for a good chunk of the year, so you won't get rid of me that easy. Yeah. Um a bunch of people freaked out. Mm-hmm. Way to ruin my way to ruin our night. Does that mean we have to go somewhere else for our coaching carousel? I'm going to miss the step bombs. No way, man. Say it ain't so. Uh, everyone's freaking out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why do you, you, we're on the premium podcast. Why don't you give the people, tell the people that it's going to be okay. Yes. So I own a home in Canada. I have a house in Ontario, in Cambridge, Ontario. It's a lovely town of about 120,000 people uh, west of Toronto. My wife lives there. Um, she has a wonderful job there in Canada, and I'm apart from my wife a, a good portion of the year. And I felt like this year, it, with the pandemic, I think just kind of threw things into a, a, a gave, gave me some time to really think about it. I felt like it was time that that my wife deserved to have her husband around a little bit more than what I'm around right now. So well, uh, careful what you wish for. I know, I know. She's got on, a long, on her part. I should yeah. say. Yeah, on her exactly. part, she's got a long list of things for me to do. So, um, <laughs> so I'm very fortunate in my job, uh, in you know my career, where I can be a little more flexible and work remotely, um, those types of things. So I'm going to be kind of spending um, half the year here and half the year uh, in Canada. And so, um, you know, I'll be basically a part-time resident of, of Canada and a part-time resident of the United States. So, um, what that means is that you know I'll be in Canada for less than six months. I'll be going up there in March. Uh, right, right, right at the beginning of March, and I'll be up there until the beginning of uh, you know middle of August, and I'll come back 
and be here for football season. Now, dur- during my time in Canada, I'll still be um, doing all the stuff that I normally do. Be, I'll still be talking to coaches every day, working on the magazine, working for the website, doing all those things that I normally do. I won't, the only difference is I won't be at, at a seven-on-seven tournament every week um, like I was. I'll probably be at one weekend of qualifying. I'll probably come back. Um, I'll fly back in for the state seven-on-seven tournament. Um, and I'll be, be back for coaching school as well. So all the big summer events that, that – and then next year I'll be at coaching clinics still, those kind of things. So I won't be missing too much. It'll just be during the downtimes. Um, I'll be in Canada hanging out with my wife. Yes. And and let me just say as, as the representative of Dave Campbell's Texas football that like we're going to keep step on the payroll. Like the whole point is to keep him – like he's not he's still like we're not giving him up that easily like i'll fight his wife if i have to yeah and the Um, pandemic has really i think opened up a lot of the remote working possibilities and so it's made made things a little bit better so i'll be getting in my truck and driving up to canada and 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 hanging out there for a few months but i'll be i won't be i'll be at as many football as many bad (laughs) random football games as i can attend next year and have tepper making fun of me so don't uh, worry. Yeah. Don't worry, Bishop and Comfort fans. That's Step right. Step is still going to show up at your game. I've already promised. Uh, Car- already, I've already made one promise that I, w- I would attend a Carrizo Springs game this year. <laughs> hey, there you go. So let's, let's go. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so it'll, it'll be it'll be a little different. Um. But I think it'll be good for my personal family situation to uh, get to spend a little more time with my lovely wife. So yes. and, I'll, and I'll hopefully the pandemic is over with and I don't have to do the two week quarantine thing. I'll I'll fly up and visit her. You know for a, you know five, four or five days at a time during football season as well. So I'll I'll get yeah. to hang out with her during football well, season as well. And the thing is, people who are like uh, people who who listen to this podcast know that there's like a couple of times where it's like we'll we'll talk like we'll do a podcast and you'll be in Canada. Like yeah, there's. There's no, there's nothing about like the, cons- let's put it this way from the consumer perspective, nothing's going to change fundamentally. You, like, won't notice, you won't notice a difference other than the location on my tweets will say Cambridge, Ontario. Yes, that's exactly it. Other than and, that, it's just going to be, you know, he's still going to work for us. He's still going to do the same stuff he's doing. Um, and yeah, like, so uh, you no need more to like snow tweets and me complaining about the snow and how cold it is. But, you know, yeah, that. yeah. And, and, and maybe less, maybe fewer taco tweets. Fewer taco and barbecue tweets. Yeah, of course, but, there is a really more good poutine tweets. Spot. Yes, more poutine tweets. Yes, so more yes, hockey more tweets. poutine tweets. So don't worry, Step is going to Canada, but we will still have plenty of stuff for him to do uh, at TexasFootball.com. By the way, um, as we're just we're we're rounding the third, heading for home. Has El Paso High put out their schedule yet? No, and I you saw my tweet today where I'm I'm, I'm putting the pressure I'm, I'm putting the pressure on him. Um, yeah, I, so, I'm really so, trying to get him to. So we need Ray Aguilar Jr., the coach at uh, at El Paso High, to schedule a Thursday night game at uh, R.R. Jones Stadium so the Dave Campbell's crew can come out to a game. What a better um, way to celebrate post, hopefully post-COVID-19 than uh, a Thursday night at Jones Stadium. Oh, man, dude. And I'd, I'd probably fly out there. The way we'd probably do it, we'd probably fly out there like Tuesday night. We would just eat. Like we do the show. We do Texas Football Today remote like from there. Like t- like Wednesday and Thursday, just eat an irresponsible amount of Mexican. Oh food. God, we'd eat so good. Yeah, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe like if we time it right, maybe there's like a Chihuahuas game going on. Oh, it's like a cool, it's a cool stadium too. Yeah. Oh so, man, this could be great. Yeah. Oh, but it's up to you, Coach Aguilar. 
We're, we're calling you out, coach. It's up to you. Everybody tweet Ray Aguilar Jr. and tell him he needs to schedule a Thursday night game. Yeah, do it. It's, it's, only, it's only kind of up to him, too, by the way. It's kind of yeah, a bunch I mean, of pressure on him. He's got the, AL, he's got the AD. He's in the AD. He's got to talk to the AD and stuff. But we're putting yeah. the pressure on him. So We're, putting, do, we're happy to do, do it. it for, do it for America, coach. Do it for America. That's exactly right. Uh, All right. That's going to do it for us. That's uh, your first off-season edition of Tep and Step. Uh, Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And Step, thanks for your courage. Thanks. Talk to you next month on Tep and Step.